get started. We're not going to mess around here. Let's just get going. Um, today, uh, main session two is called "Called to Fight," and um, we're going to we're going to share some things with you. And again, this is kind of going to be like last night was with the Q and A, just laid back, and um, we're just going to be real with you for a minute. And I hope that's okay. Um, good. And we're just going to share some stuff uh, with you that we've walked through, some things that the Lord has has taught us about how we're called to fight. Um, one thing that, and we'll get to this a little bit more uh, later in our talk this morning, um, but I think it's important for us to go into this. Yesterday I said we need to know what we're getting into. We need to know what we signed up for. And when we signed up to get married, we signed up for a fight. Um, we signed up to, to fight for our relationship, to fight for the best for our marriage all the time. And when you enter a marriage, this is not just an agreement. Okay, a marriage is not just some informal agreement. It's not even a very formal agreement. It's more than that. Uh, John Bevere wrote a book called The Story of Marriage, and I highly recommend reading this book. And there was a section in there that really impacted us, and it was, it's called Covenant versus Commitment. When you get married, it's more than a commitment. It is a covenant. And a covenant is so much stronger than just a contract or a commitment. A covenant is for life. A covenant is something that is set in stone. It cannot be changed. It is unalterable. And so when you enter into marriage, that's what you're doing. It's not an option. It's a calling. And you guys have probably done stuff in your life before that you had to do. And, and you're not as passionate about the things that you just feel like you're supposed to do or you have to do. Maybe it's for your job or whatever. Maybe it's some task that you had to perform. But those things that you're really called to, you do with so much more passion. And you'll put up with so much more uh, difficulty. When you're doing something that you're called to do, it's so much easier to grind it out. And I want to tell you guys, you are called to have a successful marriage. It's not just an optional thing. It's not just like some happenstance. You're called to that. And so a marriage is a calling, and, and it's a covenant. And so it's a huge deal. So we're called to fight with each other. We're not, it's not an option. We're called to do it. Fight so for each other. Fight for each other. Absolutely. Not with each other. Not with each other, right? Because we, we learned last night, <laughs> we're not fighting against flesh and blood. It's, it's bigger than that. So, um, so we're going to get started. And uh, babe, you want to start off with the first, um, the first point? Okay. So I don't know what the book looks like. You're, okay. Yeah. Is it a C? It's a, oh, okay. Sorry. Okay. So the first blank is going to be um, carry your burden. And so as husbands and wives, we are called to help carry the, carry the burden for each other. And so I, I, I want to say, what, is it, what does it look like for me to help carry his burdens? Um, I want to I help him in life. I don't want to make things harder on him. Um, so what's it like to be married to me? It's awesome. Oh, thanks, babe. But am I making it easier? Am I, am I making it harder for him? Um, you know, I want to... I want to help lighten his load. And if I'm making it heavier, then that's not what I'm called to do. Um, I, a lot of times, like if, for example, yesterday morning, he really just needed to rest. And he was coughing. And um, so I try to take the kids to school so that I can help him stay home and rest. And so if, even little things like that, I, I want to help lighten his load and take weight off of his back. Um, and I know in turn he wants to do that for me, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think, too, just practical stuff. If you guys are, are going through your day and you hear something, if your spouse says something, your spouse is going to give you clues, all right? 
and, and wives do a great job at this. Husbands don't do as great of a job. But your wife, husbands, if you are listening, if you will pay attention, your wife is going to be giving you clues as to how you can help. Now, if you're like me, sometimes they need to go like this and be like, hey, honey, I need you to blah, blah, blah. And then I'll get it. But, but I'm telling you, guys, guys let's, get, let's get good at carrying our wives' burdens. And those are going to be the things. What is your wife mentioning on a regular basis? You know, what are the things she talks about being stressed about? Um, what are the things that she says, you know, I'm kind of concerned with this. That should be an immediate light bulb for us to go, you know what, put it in our memory bank, get it through our thick skulls, husbands. Hey, man, we can help, we can help our wife in this area. Uh, maybe she says, oh, my gosh, you know, I don't know how I'm going to get the kids to school, and I've got, you know, I've got groceries to, to get today, and um, I've got I've to make a pie delivery or whatever. That is your cue to say, hey, honey, it sounds like maybe you're stressed out. Can I, can I help you out right there? Is there something that I can do? You want me to do one of those things for you? Or, hey, what if, what if I ran to the store for you so you didn't have to? Now, some of you wives, that would stress you out more if your husbands went to the grocery store for you. But, like, but you know, like husbands offer, at least offer. Can I say something? Air, like air in offering and her, let her have the option to turn it down. But offer your help. Offer your support. Help carry the burden in your household with little stuff. And I'm telling you, husbands, if, you will help, if you'll offer to help with stuff that you may think is inconsequential or not that big of a deal, it will fill her love tank. Pastor Paul was about, talking about that love tank. Um, and, and think of it like a bank account. You're either in the black or you're in the red. Uh, and so those little things fill her love tank. They show her that you love her. And it's so important that we notice stuff and we help carry each other's burden. And it looks different for everybody. Um, and I know there's, there's other moms out there, um, stay-at-home moms who are at home all day, and they've got kids all day. So something I try to do is give Bethany, we talked about this a little bit last night, but give her some time to, to just be quiet and be alone um, when the kids are in bed. You know, we'll put the kids to bed, and um, she'll have time to go just, just take a shower or, or just watch a show or just be by herself for like 10, 15 minutes, and that's that's a huge help to her, you know, as when, when she needs some alone time. It helps her carry the burden. All that stress she's been carrying all day of caring for our kids um, or, or, you know, wives that are working. You've been at, they've been at work too, husbands. you got to remember, you got stress at work. So do they. You know, you got wives that are working that are stressed out. They've got their own plate of things they've been dealing with all day. So help them. Be an ear for them. Sometimes carrying your wife's burden may look like just listening. But I, I do think it is so good for all of us to constantly say, what's it like to be married to me? Yeah. Am I making your life better yeah. or am I making your life miserable? Absolutely. Um, it's a, a good check for all of us. It is a good question to ask every day. Like, how did I make my spouse's life feel today? You know, get to the end of the day. And, you know, maybe you ask each other that out loud. At the end of the day, maybe you go, hey, honey, did I help make your life easier or harder today? And talk through that. Be prepared to be open and talk through that. Like, you know, well, I really could have used some help here. Awesome. Great. I totally missed that. I'll look for that better in the future and try to help you carry your burden in that area. And the next one. The next one is assume the best. Mm -hmm. Do you want to tell our salsa <laughs> story, babe? I don't know. You should, you should probably tell it. Okay. So we had, um, I have this one kind of salsa from Walmart. What's it called? It's like Market Fresh. You buy it in the. <laughs> well, can I get an amen? Like 
Got an amen back here. You buy it in the um, like in the produce, produce section, section yeah. not like in the jar. No, no, don't buy it in the jar. <clears throat> I don't. I'll eat jarred salsa, but I don't like like it. I like the stuff in the produce section. So if I ask him to buy it, it's a little bit of a splurge because it costs. Yeah. It's like it's three forty eight, man. Because you can get the jar for like a dollar. It's a lot. But for salsa. So sometimes I'll say, "Will you get me some of that good salsa?" So one night we were having some people over, and I asked him to get the good salsa. So he, he did, and I was really excited about it. And I guess it was the next day? Yeah, it was the, the next The morning. next day. Next morning, by the way. Um, well, someone else had come over and brought jarred salsa, and it was out on the counter, too, the day of the get-together. But, of course, I got the good salsa. So the next day, um, I was, like, thinking, oh, I'm going to get some of that good salsa. I think it was for lunch. So I go in the kitchen, and all I see is... I see my little container in the fridge, but it looks weird. And I take the lid off, and it's like chunky, weird stuff on top. And then I lift it up, and I can see like the pretty salsa, the good stuff on the bottom. It's like seven-layer dip. So I thought, did he pour the extra junky salsa on top? So I called. Okay, so I thought, all right, this is really nasty, and I'm not going to eat it. But he was trying to help clean up after the party, and he didn't realize what a big deal that was to me. So I called. I, I don't remember how I phrased it, but I was like, did yeah, I was you? sitting up in my office. Did you pour that weird salsa on top of the good? And I'm like, I don't, I mean, I, I guess I poured salsa on top of some salsa. I'm so. like sitting there and working. In but, the middle of work, and I'm, I'm like, we're talking ever, about salsa. Do you like, think about a leftover in the fridge? And I was, like, so excited about that. So I tried to salvage it and, like, scrape off the gross into the sink and then still eat the good. Um, but I, part of me wanted to be mad because I really wanted that good salsa. But I knew that his, he wasn't trying to sabotage my salsa lunch, my chips and salsa. But his heart was to help clean up the kitchen. And so I could have, like, really gotten annoyed about that. But I tried to, like, nicely say, hey, next time, can you please not pour that gross stuff on top of my good salsa? But I, it's easy for us to just get angry about things before thinking, okay, his heart. I think you were hangry. I was hangry. At that point. For my chips and salsa. She was yes. hungry and angry. But I knew his heart was to try to help clean up. And so I tried to assume the best and not get angry about my sad salsa story. Yeah, and, and with that, too, I'll say those moments, if you let them, are, will just be annoying to you. But if, if you can find the gold in that situation, the cool thing in that story is I just learned something really cool I can do for my wife. Just a little thing. Buy me and good salsa. I can buy her good salsa. If, if I want to just cheer her up one day, I can stop by and get her the good salsa. I didn't know that that salsa was like our sixth child. I don't know but, that but it now I do. that far. But, it was, but it's good <laughs> but salsa. Now I know, but no, for real. Now I know that's something cool that I can do for her. It's not, I don't I have to go buy her a new Mercedes for her. I mean, I could go buy some salsa and it'll make her happy. Like, she, just something cute and cool I can do for her. And just, just a little plug here, too, and this is something that Pastor Paul is going to go into, and, and Elizabeth, this is going to be so cool uh, in the future, and we've just got done going through this in Honeymooners, too. Five love languages. You know, if, 
if your sp- you need to know what your spouse loves, and you need to cultivate um, giving or or acts of service or um, physical touch or whatever her his or her love language is. You need to know what that is. And so, like for Bethany, acts of service is up there. So an act of service for me could be go buy her some salsa. But she assumed the best out of me because um, she knew my heart was, I was trying to clean the kitchen so that she could wake up in the morning to a clean kitchen and not have to deal with it. She knew that. And so we didn't have a big argument about salsa. It was really funny. And um, Even like leaving towels in the floor or, yeah. oh, can I tell them about your contacts? Oh, my gosh. I okay. guess. So we you both, guys are going to know all my weird habits. Yeah, this will be, this will be fun. You. you can tell some on me. I no, feel bad. you don't have any weird habits. Do you want me habits. to tell the contacts? Yes, yeah, sure. Why not? Okay, so he... We both wear contacts, and his are disposable. He throws them away every day. I keep mine. I mean, I take mine out at night, but I wear mine a long time. But every night, just because, he will take his contacts out of his eye and just flick them. Just, just flick it. Just throw it wherever. Ew. So when I sweep, I have this little mound it's not a mound. It is a mound. Oh, my gosh. Of contacts, like dried, hard contacts. And now it's sort of a game. Now I do it to annoy her. He does. But. This is what you do, guys. Here's a piece of advice number one that's not in your notes. Annoy the heck out of your spouse. Annoy. No, but I that's know what the A is. when it initially started, his heart was not, okay, Bethany doesn't do enough work around here. <laughs> so I'm going to flick stuff in the floor just to make her sweet more. Like, his heart wasn't to do that. Now it's a game. But, or when, when, you, when we leave towels on the floor or don't pick up after ourselves, we're not, I'm not mad at him. It's not a heart issue for us. We're just not thinking about it. Or we don't realize what we're doing is an issue. Um, but our heart is love toward each other. And we've got to remember to, to try to assume the best. That's right. Um, even when we do annoying. That's right. And, and I'll say, too, even if you guys are going through a rocky time, if you will give each other the benefit of the doubt, your entire world will change in marriage. Whether or not your spouse is doing the right things, I, w- I want to encourage you, assume they're trying. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Set them up for some wins. Um, and I don't want to steal our thunder later on. But set your spouse up for wins by assuming they're trying their best to please you. And they're not maliciously out trying to get on your nerves. They're not trying to make your life harder. Assume that they're trying to make your life easier, even if they really aren't. You know, call things that aren't as though they are in your marriage and assume the best about your spouse. Um, There's a verse in Song of Solomon that says, Catch all the little foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love. Um, And it's those little foxes that sneak in and those little things, and they keep adding up. And that's when you have issues, when you don't take out those little foxes yeah. and take care of them early. That's right. you gotta, you got to snuff that stuff out when it's a seed before it grows into a, a tree, and you got a whole big yeah, you issue. you shared about that on Wednesday night. I did. Uh, you know, the Word talks about um, taking every thought captive. And if you take every thought captive when it's just a thought, you can deal with it very, very easily. But if you wait until that seed grows into a plant and sprouts up out of the ground, and then the next thing you know, it's a big, giant tree. How many of you guys know it's a lot easier to uproot a little sprig than it is to uproot an entire tree? And so assume the best. Don't let those thoughts get in there about your spouse that are negative, that make you think the worst of them. Snuff that stuff out the second 
that it comes into your mind and assume the best um, with, for your spouse. Uh, the next one is live with contentment. Um, and this one, live with contentment, um, is all about learning to embrace the struggles. Um, the hard stuff that you guys go through is an opportunity, and it may not feel like that when you're in the middle of it. Um, something that uh, Miss Elizabeth says all the time is, when you find yourself in hell, keep on walking. And is that right? Am I doing it right? Is that good? When Keep on walking. And that's about living with contentment, that there's something good for you at the end of it. When you walk through a struggle as a couple, you have an opportunity to grow closer or you have an opportunity to drift apart and to get separated. And we talked about last night, the enemy loves separating a relationship. That's his number one tactic. He loves to get in relationships and divide you and make you think something's wrong and everything's, you know, life's going to hell in a handbasket. But we've got to realize we have a promise and that allows us to live with contentment when we know the end is good. You know, we know that we have victory already claimed for us through what Jesus did for us and what he did for us as couples. We can live with contentment and love the hard times. And we shared last night, like when we're going through something hard or something that um, we're really struggling with, we try to remind each other, it's me and you, babe. Like, we're going to be okay. No matter what else goes on around us, we're going to make it through. And that encourages, it encourages me. I think it encourages you when I say it to you or when you say it to me. Um, but I, this is sort of switching subjects just a little bit. But when I think of contentment for me, not just in struggles, but in life, and I, I feel like women struggle with this a little bit more than men as a whole do. Um, but I'm always wanting to fix something or change something in our house or buy something different or paint something or whatever. And I Thank you, Pinterest. Yes. What, every time if I sew, I'm like, oh, look what I want us to do on Pinterest. And he I'm says, like, hey, how about them Titans? Like he says, that's what I'm going to do. But um, it is, and a lot of times I'll just be talking. Like I don't really even think anything about it. But he... Um, feels responsible, like he needs to do whatever, if I say, oh, I think we should, oh, tell, tell the story about that, car, that Jeep thing that you bought me that time. So, yeah, so this does, I was trying to be a great husband, and we had first gotten married, um, and, and I was learning what Bethany's definition of contentment was, um, and as we were learning each other, um, and, and Bethany does, she'll just say stuff a lot of times, she's like, hey, this would be cool if, and she doesn't expect anything. I don't really mean it. I'm she just talking. She doesn't want it. And it's, she's just talking. She's just making conversation. Um, and But at first, I didn't realize that. And I, I thought, in order for us to be content, I have to do a bunch of stuff and, and please her uh, in these certain ways or whatever. And, and so I would try way too hard. I would do things that she didn't really care about deep down. Um, so one time, we had a, we had a vehicle, and um, she was kind of like, Saying, yeah, you know, I was thinking about maybe getting a different vehicle. This one was kind of acting weird on us. And I think we drove by a car lot. Yeah, we drove by a car lot, mm-hmm. and we're just driving around, goofing off. And our car started to kind of act weird. So we were kind of nervous about keeping it. So we drove through a car lot, and she saw this, this Jeep. Uh, it was a Jeep Liberty. And so uh, whatever, we drove by, and she's like, oh, that's a cute, that's a cute car. And she's like, yeah, that's really cute. And I was like, oh, cool. Do you like that? She's like, yeah. And I was like, well, well, cool, whatever. We drove off the lot. The next day, I went and traded our car and got that Jeep because I thought, man, I'm going to be like husband of the year. This is awesome. I'm going to show up in the driveway with this awesome new car for her. 
So I get back home, and, and we've got this Jeep. I got this Jeep. She's like, where's the, the car? And I was like, well, I got you this Jeep, the one you said you wanted. And she was like, oh. oh. And I was like, oh, gosh, I have made a huge mistake. And, I mean, I liked it. <laughs> I was just talking. I yeah. didn't, and I think I even said, like, I didn't know you would go get it. I was, yeah. just, I was just telling you it was cute. But, alas, I so went and got it. I wish someone had told me a little bit, like, when you start saying all these things, um, it puts, I th- for you, it puts pressure on you and makes you think, like, You're that's not what content. I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm, I'm unhappy. Yeah. You're not providing enough. I want you to go get all these things for me. Yeah. So, and I'm really not. And that's not what you're saying. I'm just talking. So, I think a good thing to do in reference to that is to define what contentment is for each other, you know. Um, be very clear. Something we tell honeymooners all the time in our Young Mary's class, something we say all the time is, y'all help me out, honeymooners. Make a what? List. Good, come on. I I didn't know what you were going for either. Make a list. The Kirks sent me a picture of their list the other day. They were overachievers. We say it all the time in five love languages. And we were saying, make a list. Be clear with each other. I'm glad we... We really taught them a lot. I, I didn't know what you were going for either. But okay, we do make cool. lots of lists in there. Communication. We'll talk about that next. But no, no, make a list. Like, help each other out. Don't don't make it a game. Don't play games with each other and with I contentment. Have, I have gotten to where now I'll say, I'm just talking. Yes. I, I'm just I'm yes. just talking. And I'm like, oh. like, it would be neat if there was a pool over here and there was <laughs> this here and let's build a garage this way. And then I'll say, I'm just talking. Like, yeah. I don't really expect you to go do all these things. I'm happy. We are good. <laughs> but wouldn't it be neat? Like, so I, I just spell it out. But then if yes, I really please. need something done, I'll say, this is important. This is important. So. Yeah. Uh, and the, it's very important that you define that to immediately take the pressure off. Because when pressure happens, stress happens. And when stress happens, you do not set each other for, set each other up for a win. And so define what contentment is to you, to you, to each other. And, you know, sit down and define, I would, I would spend some time this weekend while you're fresh off this conference of defining what does contentment look like for you? And, and we talked about yesterday, begin with the end in mind, fail to prepare, prepare to fail and make a plan. What do you want the ending of your marriage? What is contentment to you? What do you want it to look like in your marriage? And, and write it down and, and go back and look at it every once in a while and say, you know what? We're content if this is the case in our household. So. Okay. So the next one is let God be God. There were two little boys um, sitting in the kitchen, and the mom was making pancakes for them. And the little boys started arguing over who would get the first pancake. And, you know, one of them was saying, I'm getting the first one. And the other one said, no, I'm getting the first one. And so the mom thought she would be, um, make it a lesson. Have a teachable moment. And she said, you know, if Jesus were here, he would give the other one the first pancake. And one little boy looked at the other one and said, you be Jesus. <laughs> so, um, in let God be God, I think that that means we need to take care of ourselves and let God take care of our spouse. We need to do our part and let the Lord do his part because there are some things that I just can't change about him, but, but our heavenly father can speak to his heart and change it like that. Yeah. My ability to change or even to affirm my spouse is nowhere near as great as God's ability to do it. God can, in a moment's notice, create heart change in people 
And I want to ask you the question, you know, when, when you let God be God, are you, are you praying for God uh, to move in you? Or are you praying for God to move in your spouse uh, first? You know, I, I want to pray, God, help me see what I need to do in order to be a better husband. Instead of going, Lord, help Bethany figure out how to fix this issue. No, like pray, Lord, help me do my part, and I'm going to trust you to do what you see fit in my spouse's life and in our relationship. Um, and if we don't do that, we set our spouse up for a loss. We, we have unfair expectations of our spouses. Um, too often, we expect our spouses to be able to pull off stuff in life or in our marriage that they are not able to pull off. There is no way our spouse can fulfill certain needs that we are only expected to, uh, to, to have fulfilled by God. God, God is the only one who can fulfill, fulfill certain spots of our lives. Our spouse can't even do it. Um, and so uh, Keep Your Love On, the book that you hear us talk about a lot, has a great section called The God Spot. And there, is, there are parts of our lives um, that, that we, have, we find fulfillment in, and, and the very center of our lives is the God Spot. And, and that is the, the place that only God can rescue us. It's the place that only God can fulfill us in. Your spouse can't do it. When you start expecting your spouse to be God and expecting your spouse to fulfill your every single need, you, you are expecting way too much of them. God is ultimately your provider. He is ultimately your source. And when you put that pressure on your spouse, you set them up for, for a loss. At our house, we... Let our, our two oldest girls share a room. And so we try to send them up weekly, I guess. Tell them to go clean their room. So we'll send them upstairs, everybody up, but specifically the two girl, big girls. And um, we'll send them up to their room to clean. And so we'll hear a lot of noise and 15 minutes have passed. And there's just a lot of, I don't know, stomping and throwing sounds and... Um, Eventually, usually, Bessie will start crying. And so, somehow, we'll get a report. Somebody will come downstairs. Breaking news. I'll go up there and look, and the room looks exactly like it did. Or maybe worse. When when I first said, go clean your room. And Bella will say, well, she's not working, and she hasn't cleaned anything, and she hasn't picked up any of these clothes, and there's dirty towels here, and her shoes are everywhere. But I'll look at Bella's dresser, and she's got clothes hanging all out, and her bed's not made, and her side of the room looks horrible, too. And I'll tell her, and this happens really, like, all the time. Like, I'll say, is your side clean? Well, no. Okay, then you take care of your side, and I'll take care of her. So if we will take care of our side of our room, and let God be God and take care of his side of the room, it would make things a lot easier. Yeah, God does a really great job at his job. He's really awesome at it. God is really great at being God. And, you know, the Holy Spirit is really great at his job as well. Holy Spirit is great at speaking to us and telling, telling us, and he's great at speaking to your spouse and, and just nudging. Um, and so we got to trust God to do his thing. He's going to do his thing. If you haven't figured it out yet, and if you haven't realized it yet, I want to remind you, God is faithful. 
110% of the time. There's never been a time ever where God has not been faithful. And no matter what it looks like right now, it doesn't mean God's messed up and he's forgotten to be faithful to you. God doesn't forget to be uh, faithful to you. I w- we were reading something in, in staff the other day. Uh, we all um, read through the word together and we kind of talk about what God's been doing uh, in our lives. And uh, I was reading about Noah a couple weeks ago. And uh, there was a scripture that jumped out at me that I had, had never read this way. And this happens, you guys, as you're reading the word, you'll, you'll catch these things. And it was talking about how um, Noah was on the ark and he'd been on the, the ark for a while. I mean, multiple days, I think it was like one or 40 days, whatever. And, and it's, the scripture said that, and God remembered Noah. Um, and you know, Noah at this point was probably thinking, um, God, I know you told me to build this big boat, but it's been raining for a really long time and we're still on the water and this is getting sketchy. And I don't know about like, Lord, are you going to do something here? But the scripture says that, and God remembered Noah. Now what the Lord spoke to me there was like, Zach, I never forgot about Noah. I never forgot. Like my remembering is not like you. Like when we remember something, it means we forgot it in the past. God never forgot about Noah. God was always going to do his part, but God recalled what he had said to Noah and his promise for his family, and the next thing you know, you you see that promise come to pass, and God sets the boat on dry land, and there's a covenant made. God makes a covenant to never destroy the earth by water again, and so you see God do his part, and you know, when Noah was in that boat and he was being tossed around, there were some questions, I'm sure. He's, he's human. You know, he's probably asking, where's God? Is he going to do his part? God will always do his part. He has not forgotten about you. God does not forget. Too many times we assign human attributes, and we wonder, is God going to be God? Is he going to do his part in this situation? Man, my marriage is rough right now, or we're going through a rocky time. Is God going to show up? Yes, he is going to show up. Let him show up. Let him do his job in your marriage. Let God be God. Well, and if we're, if I am... Um picking him apart or telling him what everything he's doing wrong all the time um, in any area of, of his life, whether it be marriage or his relationship with the Lord or relationship with our children, I feel like I'm trying to be God and I am in the way. And that only creates more resentment from him. And then he really can't hear the things that I need to say. That's good. And that, and that kind of goes with the next one, which is encourage your strengths encourage your strengths. And this one is all about celebrating the wins. And babe, I think you do an an awesome job at this. This is something that Bethany does really, really well. And it makes me feel like a million bucks. Um, I'm I'm somebody who who thrives off uh, words of affirmation is my top love language. And so um, it means a lot when Bethany encourages my strengths. So she does that in a lot of ways. Um, One thing that Bethany does on a regular basis that really fills my love tank if she says, almost, I mean, it's almost every day, I feel like, you may, it may not be, but it feels like it is. It feels awesome. She says, I don't know what you're say. she says, thank you for providing for our family. Oh. And um, that just, that, that means so much to me. I will go dig trenches for 700 hours with that kind of encouragement. Like, for me as a husband to know, and, and guys can relate, guys, you know, your, your job so often for a man, his job is, is core to him. It is part of God has, has put that in him to do well in work. God has designed men in such a way to provide for their families since the beginning of time. 
Um, and so, you know, when my wife affirms me and she celebrates, hey, honey, thank you for, for working hard. And, you know, thank you for providing for our family. You know, I, I think you're, you're, she'll, she'll say, you know, you, you're such a hard worker. Thank you. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I am or not, but that <laughs> feels really great, you know. Um, and so it, it, makes me, it makes me so happy when she celebrates um, moments where I feel like I'm winning. And it makes me want to win more. So. And I think it, for me, it's important that our, that our kids hear this too. Um, one, so I want them to see how hard their dad works, and I want them to see what a hardworking husband looks like, and I want them to appreciate what they have and what he provides for us. Um, and it makes me think about um, I have a van that I've driven for a little while, but it was brand new. And he drove a piece of junk for a really, really, really long time. What, what, what did Betty say? My kids, my Betty, when she was little, said, she went into her school teacher and she said, my daddy's Jeep is jacked up. <laughs> and it wasn't and like it, cool, it was. not like cool jacked up like you would want I a Jeep to be. I think it wouldn't start that morning and you were, they, yeah, they were tardy we were late and I'm sorry, my daddy's Jeep is jacked up. But he didn't have heat and he didn't have air conditioning and there were holes in the seats and it wouldn't start half the time. And, and I tried... Mirror. I tried to make a point, and it was for, for me to just say it out loud, but it was for my, our kids to hear, too. Daddy wants us to have something nice, and look what he's doing. He's sacrificing and driving that junk. You know, he could have said the opposite. He could have said, well, we can e- both equally drive junk, or he can drive a nice car and stick us in the junk car, but he didn't. He sacrificed, and so that was... That was a strength of his. Um, and for her to say to that made it like a no-brainer. It was super-duper easy. I'm like, whatever. I don't care. I mean, I'm used to it. Whatever. No big deal. Um, something that, that Bethany does, though, she, she, is, she is my cheerleader. She's my biggest cheerleader. And, um, you found yourself a cheerleader? I, th- I think that I've found myself a cheerleader. She's I'll, always, I'll always she, She's right really here. Always, always here when I need her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Do you want to talk about about the cheerleader thing? Because that's something that you you started being intentional about. I don't even know when you started it, but it made a difference in our marriage for sure. Um, well, I try. The only thing I can think of is right now is like church stuff. But like if he speaks on Wednesday night or Sunday or worship or whatever, I try to I try to be here as long as our Kids everything's okay at our house. Yeah. But I want to be here and be on the front row and be looking at him if he looks down and smiling for him. And I mean, I'm here to worship too, but it helps him too. Side note. I mean, (laughs) that is ultimately my reason for being here. But when he comes off the stage, I try to whisper in his ear, like, that was good. Good job. You did good at that. Um, Or you were talking to that teenager, and that was really good what you said. So I want to encourage him. I want to be his cheerleader. And she does a great job at that. And, you know, wives, I'm telling you, it makes such a difference. And for guys, you'll find, like, studies have shown with the five love languages stuff, one of the, across the board, uh, husbands really, words of affirmation is really up there for most husbands. Um, it's, a, it's a core of their love language profile. And so be their cheerleader. Encourage their strengths. Um, husbands, make sure when you get home and your wife has either been at work all day Tell her you appreciate that. Say, thank you so much for helping provide for our family. You know, or, or maybe they've been home with the kids all day. 
you know what, there's no way, something I tell her all the time is, there's no way I could do your job. There's no way I could do what you do. Like, it's amazing. I don't, I don't even know how you do it. Like, I get home and somehow, somehow our house is clean. Not, and all, not always. Most it's, of the time. And, and it's like, horrible right now. Whatever, it's fine. We're, it's, it's all good. We'll clean it together later. But like, what, the, the thing is, like, she's a rock star and you got it. Guys, I told you this last night. The person sitting next to you is a gift from God. And they have strengths. And if you're too dense to see it, wake up. Figure out what their strengths are and tell them about it all the time. Talk about it till you're blue in the face. Do it, do it every single day. Say something encouraging to your spouse every day about their strengths. One of my favorite things that he says to me is, I think you're so cool. And it makes me cry. But it is. I just love it when he says that. And it can be about anything. It's So, I mean, you can say that to each other or some sort of pet phrase, you know, that, that fills their love tank. Yeah. But that means so much to me when he thinks I'm cool. So if it's, um, I don't know, kid-related or house-related or whatever, if, if it fits a lot of things. And you can just say, like, I think, that, I think you're so cool. And it makes me happy. I think you're cool. Thanks. Um, <laughs> last one is do it anyways. Everybody say do it. Do it. Do it. Let me drink. Do it. Do it anyways. Do it anyways. And I talked about this to open us up today, but marriage is not an option as far, if, if you've chosen to be married, it's not just some optional flippant thing. If you've chosen to be married, you are now, you've entered into a covenant. Um, you've entered into something that is, is unchanging. You, so regardless of how the world defines marriage, we don't go with the world's definition. That's not what we do. Um, as believers, marriage is an eternal thing. It is an eternal institution ordained by God himself. And, and God himself set up this union. And it is specific and it's unique and it's not an option um, for us to be, to be separated. Once we make those vows to each other, I encourage you, go back and read your marriage vows. Just go back and read those things. We've got ours posted, um, like as you're walking into our bedroom door, we got a little hallway thing, and ours are posted there. And every once in a while, I try to make a point to stop and read those again. Because, like, inevitably, I'll go back there, and, and, and maybe we've had an argument, or we've had a tough day, or we're snippy with each other or whatever, and I'll read those things. I'm like, man... It doesn't matter. I got to do this anyway. I'm doing it anyway. I don't care if it's hard. You know what, guys? Stuff gets hard sometimes. We've got tough stuff. Life is not always tiptoeing through the tulips. We have got to push sometimes. I talked about last night. Put up your dukes. Get ready for a battle. You got to push. You got to do it anyways. It doesn't matter if you feel like it. You have to choose to do it anyways. Encourage your spouse even if you don't feel like it. Let God be God, even if you don't feel like it. All of this stuff, do it anyways. It's not an option. It's a calling. And there are, of course, always a few exceptions to the rule. Sure. Yeah, like if you're in an abusive situation, obviously we're not saying, well, do it anyway and remain in an abusive situation for the rest of your life. That's not what we're talking about. But um, in a scenario where, where you're struggling emotionally or you're struggling um, to get along, it's important that you, you choose. you got to choose. Sometimes we have this perception, especially in America, this very romantic deal of like, well, I, I don't feel, I mean, how many times have you heard a couple say, well, I just don't feel like we're in love anymore, or I don't love him anymore, or I don't, I don't feel love anymore. Love is a decision. 
And the feelings will come eventually. But you have to decide and make a choice to love. And again, keep your love on. I encourage you to read that book. This is not an option. We, we are to love our spouse, period. And the feelings will come. If you will decide to love your spouse, the feelings will come later. And even in our, our worst times in our marriage, like I know I made a promise to him, and, but even when I didn't care anymore, I also made a promise to God. Right. And so if, if you're at your lowest and you don't want to keep fighting for your spouse, at least fight for the promise that you made to God. That's right. That's right. Do it anyways. Mm-hmm. Do it anyways. So, so if we uh, check that out, we put it all together here. You see, carry your burden, assume the best, live with contentment, let God be God, encourage your strength, do anyways. We are called to have a great marriage. Amen? Amen. Amen. Look at your spouse and tell them we're called. We're called. We're called. We're called. We're called. We can do this. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you have called us to, to success. You've called us out for a win, Lord. You've set us up for a win. And you've stacked the deck in our favor, Lord. Um, I thank you so much that you've given us all the weapons of, of, of the fight that we need, Lord. You've given us everything that we need. And so ask that we'd utilize it. God, help us to encourage our spouses and assume the best and to be content with what you've given. Um, God, and ultimately, we trust you to do your part because you're always faithful. That's who you are. Uh, we sang about it this morning. It's just who you are. And we're loved by you. It's who we are. So, God, um, we thank you so much for your promise to us. And um, we just expect big things today as we go through the rest of the day. In Jesus' name, amen. So, yes, please do. So, obviously, we don't have all the answers. Right. Shocker. (laughs) But I hope that during your lunch and during the next um, little bit, that some of the things that we've discussed are or stories that we've told today yeah. spark conversation for you and your mate. Um, oh, that was funny when they said this. It's sort of like what we're going through. Yeah. Um, elaborate for Yeah, me. make a list. Again, you know, maybe you spend some time over your lunch date making a list together of like, hey, what does contentment look like for us? Or what's a win for our marriage? What does that look like for us? Um, maybe, how do I need to let God be God? Yeah, how do I need to let God be God in our marriage? Or, you know, honey, what situations do you need more help in? Or... Um, how can I help carry your burden? Those are all good questions to ask. So maybe get your books out and walk through these again and ask some questions and make make some lists for each other. Cool? All right. So-